Welcome to episode 88 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in America politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary. Hi. in <laughs> a terrible place. Yeah. It's so funny because you we recorded the last episode on last Sunday. Yes. And then on Wednesday when it came out, it was the day, I believe it was the day after, after was it the, was it September 1st? Yeah, it was, it was September 1st. Thursday. It was the day that the Texas abortion yeah. ban, uh, the Supreme Court, <laughs> these lovely, lovely folks over on the Supreme Court decided to let that not do anything about it. Right. And so it, what we discussed is now law and... Uh, yeah, our fears came true. We've it's, now had a week to to, to uh, digest all of this, and, and see, I'm just and see as, and see all the other states like our state oh, yeah. rushing mm-hmm. to do something just like it. There's so it's, it's, much to unpack here, and um, I know we have a lot of male listeners, and and this is for you. This is not for the women that are listening. This is this conversation we're about to fucking have because let's do it. Let's it's do it. for the men who are listening. Now, a lot of you are, you know proud feminists and supporters of, of women's rights and we appreciate that and a lot of you we men do. a lot of you men know women who have yeah. had an abortion have been part of the conversation yeah. to make the decision of having an abortion and where are where are you yeah and you you love someone who's had an abortion that's my favorite thing that yeah. i've seen come out like you do and you may not know that you may not know that um unfortunately when someone has an abortion it could be shameful, it could be embarrassing, it could be something they're not proud of for whatever reason, but it is always ends up being her decision that she has to carry for the rest of her life. And uh, it's time to start opening up and, and, telling, and talking and about And telling that. the stories because yeah. women, why should it be on the burden of women to share their abortion story? Like why can't men share the story too and say, hey, back when I was in college, back when yeah. I was here, back when I did this, it wasn't the right time for us. Yeah. And come out and say like it, you know, because they're part of it too. I mean, I was telling you last night that there, I, all I've been thinking about since Wednesday are the, the women that are, and the girls, right. That aren't 18 yet, that are high school kids who are pregnant right now and don't know. Right. Like some girl that just had sex with her boyfriend and, and is pregnant has no fucking idea and won't know until after six weeks. A lot of women don't know they're pregnant at six weeks. That's not a thing. I know. So, and, that, and like everyone thinks and now it's they're just fucked. like, like the periods are just like clockwork. It's yeah. not like that no. for all women. No, it's, it's not. not. There are women who are on the pill yeah. who, uh, who find out that they're pregnant. There's, there's, you know, kids who are it's not foolproof like, there's yeah, no there's like, there's no there's always something not every woman's body is the same and so what they have done is forced women to become mothers if you can't afford to leave the state of texas to have an abortion you are now being forced to yeah, be a mother care, and the men in those situations are not being forced to be fathers no they're not no or it's, and everyone says, oh, but you could put it up for adoption. You could do this. And and I understand that there are women, if that's the choice that, that people want to make, that's great for you. But I don't think people realize, like, what happens to a body when you carry a baby. There's so many, you know what I mean? It's not like it's this easy no. thing. No. It's not. It And for a being 15 forced- year no. old or 16 year old to have the tr- I, I feel like it's just so or traumatic. let's go the let's go down the dark road which is where I go anyway there was there could have been a woman who was raped three weeks ago 
right. and did not go to the hospital and report this because she's ashamed and embarrassed and horrified by it. I, I didn't get the, that, so she, when you I go to the, say that, that, you know, uh, I've talked a little bit about assault on here and mm-hmm. I never went to a hospital. Mm, Tina. Yeah. Didn't happen. Well, when you go, they do, they do all a the report, tests. a DNA, yeah. a DNA swab, all that stuff. And they give you the morning after pill. Usually. Yes. I mean, yes. in most, most hospitals, hopefully in Texas, I don't know, but that woman could right now be pregnant and have no idea who yeah. she were going to force her to carry her rapist baby. Right. Is that where we are now as a world? Is that where the fuck we are? And then what about like perimenopausal women who mm. are 45, 46, 47? I don't want to get pregnant. 49 years old and they're still getting their periods, no. but maybe their periods aren't coming all the time. So they don't know. And the next thing you know, it's one of those sort of like, you know, surprise babies. No. Come on. Like, no. What are we doing? What are well, we doing? Well, women are not, have never been respected in the way that they should be. That's the fact. The fact of the matter is the Supreme Court, like that the thing that we posted was like 40% of these five people who made this decision have been credibly accused of sexual assault or harassment. Oh, I mean, that should tell you right it? there that these are people who are like, sitting on the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court who have made, have credible sexual assault or harassment cases against them. Right. So you right there clearly know how they feel about women. Yeah. They have made a decision for women in this country when it comes to sex so, and their bodies. It, it's, it's so disgusting. Yeah. One that they're even sitting on the stand court. It's a way that I, we were talking about last night with some friends. It for me, it is a way to regulate sexuality in women, and to say like how you're allowed to enjoy sex, which is not about right. having children. Maybe at some point when you plan on having babies, you plan to make a baby. Yeah, that is when you're. That's when you are allowing yourself to get pregnant. But in other ways, you're not allowed to enjoy your sexuality at all. They want to regulate. When we can fuck, when right. we can have an orgasm, right. when we can enjoy ourselves, like that's what they're regulating. It's it's you can't fucking lay down in Texas right now and have sex without fucking crossing your fingers and your toes and hoping pray to God that yeah, condom that, doesn't yeah. fucking break. And that everything that's goes fu- okay. And guess who's the only person worrying about that? The fucking woman. Of course. The dude's not sitting there worrying about that. So why are you regulating how we're supposed to feel in a sexual way? And and who and who we are as as human fucking beings, because we're not supposed to enjoy it. It's only for procreation. Yeah. Well, come on. I mean, how many times have have every has everyone had sex for, that did not create a child? I, I you know what I mean. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, especially with all the mistresses and, and all the things yes. that, that you know. And and we talked about this too that that you know that the people who are enacting these laws are people who have power and money and their wives, their mistresses, their daughters, they're going to be okay. Yeah. They're going to be okay because this they'll be poor, able to take is, them yes, somewhere not to about take care of it very quietly. The wealthy white Give folks. This is about black and brown poor people. This is about women who have no access. This is what they want to do. So listen, I know there's going to be a lot of protests coming up. I know there's going to be a lot of people out in the streets screaming, all these women with their fucking pink pussy hats on, trying to fucking get out there and, oh, oh my rights. That, yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. I, I, where I were love you it. To, when you, but where were you in the voting booth? Yeah, we need you all to start fucking pushing for the power because we can scream all day long. 
But until we flip these motherfucking seats, and I'm specifically talking about Florida, right? we can scream all day. We can storm that Capitol. Right. We can do whatever you think is going to happen. But here's the deal. They have the power. Yeah. And they are going to make these take these votes, and they're going to make this decision in Florida. It's going to happen. So the only oh, way God. we change that is if we take the power back. We have to elect yes. Democrats, pro-choice Democrats, yes, not these fucking not backwoods these, Democrats. No, pro-choice no, no. Democrats have to be fucking elected. And I'm going to say something fucking else. There is no candidate that has filed right now for governor that is pro-choice besides Nikki Freed. Charlie Crist is a fucking Republican. Okay. He was a Republican when he was in office. And I don't want to hear shit about yeah, it. He's, he's a flip flop. He's Nikki Freed is who we need as our next yes. governor. And so I don't want to hear shit about this. Anymore. And, and, the, and please, can people just get it together and say, Florida, we are drowning. Literally. And we are climate change. <laughs> and can we, can we say, wow, we actually have a chance. There's actually a chance with Nikki Freed. Yeah. We, I mean, this is a good chance that we have here. Are we going to ruin it? Yes, we're we going to ruin it. Of course, we that's can't what we have do. anything in Florida. God no, we can't. So, so for our for for our male listeners, women need your support. Yes, we cannot continue to bear the burden of taking care of your homes, taking care of your children, working a full time job. Uh, what else, Tina? What else do we can we possibly we, we do? do? Everything we do, fucking. And now we've got to tell you why you shouldn't regulate my fucking womb. We need our friends, our men, yes. friends, our allies, our husbands, our, our cousins, our brothers, our fathers to acknowledge that we are fucking human beings and yes. that the government is not allowed to get up in my fucking snatch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Stay the fuck Stay out, out of my body. Stay out. I need you to help me because we should not be the ones carrying the burden and yeah. i've seen a handful of men that i know a handful all right i'll give say seven men that i know who have actually posted about this yeah. it should not be embarrassing to you no to stand up for women I would in your even life love to talk to you on our little little yeah. thanks to s tell us your story yeah tell us something like you have to do something yeah it we can't, it can't we need just, vocal male oh supporters God. this is not on us when women stop showing up, the LGBTQ community doesn't get support. Democrats don't get support. Yeah, women, women. People don't women get votes. Color, like, come on. I mean, women show up every fucking time for, for everyone. For everything. It's enough now. And when it's time to stand up for us for something as sticky as a subject as somebody might make it or as sensitive as a yeah, subject, you no, think abortion. Say it out loud, everybody. Yeah. Abortion. We have we to destigmatize yeah, it. We need you. We need you to show up. We are scared. We're frightened. <laughs> what do you want us to do? It is. You know what I see? You know what, every, you know what I see people pushing now? Which I, and they're legitimate people. They're like, here's where you can get an overnight abortion pill. They'll overnight this abortion pill to you if you need it. Like you get it through the mail from a company, which I'm sure in some way is legit. But think about how things work now. Yeah, no. You're going to get somebody some fucking well, like that's, sugar that's, pill well, or something from some right, random company. Right. Or or like someone's going to get something off like, you know, the dark web and end up dying. Yeah, bleed to death or something. Yeah, I mean, this is what this is where the it's, fuck we are. Yeah. It's, it's, women will be committing suicide because yeah. they can't get an abortion. This is where the fuck, or they'll go to some back alley somewhere. That's where yeah. the fuck we are. We're back. 
we're back we're back into the 60s like what is going on people don't give we're a fuck we're losing 40 years of mm. progress oh please I, I have to say my my uh husband was mentioning that he had saw a pamphlet and um at his place of employment and it said on there that like the way to protect yourself from like stds was to not have sex. Of course, that's the and that's what like, their that's no, what their answers are. No, no. Yeah. And he was like, "What in the world is this?" And I have to say, my husband, who is a person who you know is not one to go to a protest mm-hmm. um, or anything <laughs> like that, and and I was talking to him. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, "We got to take to the streets," <laughs> and and I was saying, you know, there there might be some events coming up locally, and he always kind of worries and he's like, you know, down here there's, mm. there's, you know, yeah. different groups like the proud boys and this one and that one. He's like, I'm going to go with you. I won't hold a sign. Oh, but he's like, uh, <laughs> I'll punch a proud boy. In the yeah. yeah. <laughs> punch a Nazi. So I was like, okay. I love it. I love it. I know. I was like, Oh, oh my so, God. You know, Jesus. I mean, what do we, I mean, but we need people, we need men to show up at these things yeah. too. Yeah. It can't just be all women standing there. I know. It, it can't be. I wonder even as much as we like talk to people and tell these stories out loud, how much, how far, what is it that would affect a man to be like, oh God, this is fucking awful. Like what, how far do we have to go for them to understand that this is a serious issue? When, 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 you know, when the women that they love start dying. Yeah. I don't right. know. I think you're right. I mean, I thought COVID would do that. Yeah. I thought COVID would make people who don't believe in COVID understand like this is a real fucking issue, but oh God, God, it's been a dark, it's been a very, very, very dark week and it's very frightening. It's very frightening. (sighs) And and the the, the last thing is that the, the, the death rate of children in in Texas from COVID is the highest of any state right now. They've had a terrible, like, last month oh or a month and a half. Children are dying there in record numbers oh from God. COVID. Um, and it's perfect. so, like, it's, it, the, the, the fucking irony that this governor and this legislature. Yeah, they, they want to protect children. They want to protect unborn children. And these like, children that exist, they're acting like COVID isn't a thing. Like, these children are dying from COVID there. But, it, yeah, actual nobody children. Hears, yeah, so nobody. Actual children. You don't hear about that, though, right, from them. Oh, my God. And I mean. And, okay, one more thing. Yeah. Federal level, like. Let's get it together and let's stack the oh. core. Let's let's. Oh. There's so many things, and we talked about this yesterday. But but get it done. What are we doing? Uh, I have never been more disappointed than I am right and now in the s- Democrats oh that fucking God. lead this country in the on the federal level. And I we have, have say, the House, Kamala, the Senate, the fucking where is White Kamala House. Harris. I don't know. Like the, like yes, there was a statement put out, like you know, official White House statement. Like where's on her the Twitter fire account? from when she was running but for president? I want to hear her. I yeah. want to hear her say, this is crazy. This yes. is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I want to hear and see her yes. say it. I yes. don't want to read on, on government letterhead no. a statement. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, the it's great. Democrats. And it's like, we're against this. Mm. We're going to protect women. Like, that's all great. But where I, I want to feel your your anger anger about i want to feel something from you i don't just want a letter no on a on a social media post i like why aren't you addressing you're the first female yeah <laughs> vice president where are you to say this is you know unconstitutional like where is she why isn't she rallying like where is she i am so disappointed 
<sighs> and we have no time left, by the way. No, it's over. We are at the, at the almost at the end of 21. We've got a year and fo- a what? Three months to These start midterms. fucking doing shit in this. Gu- we're, we're losing power. Well, once in the midterms happen, like, forget oh, it. we're losing forget the power. It. Forget it. So we're fucking. We've got it by a months. thin thing. What the fuck have they done? Nothing. And the house keeps passing all the stuff. As soon as it goes to the Senate, nothing fucking happens. Yeah. I'm fucking I'm sick tired of it. Of it. Okay, and we Democrats gotta, are the oh biggest God. bunch of fucking pussies I've ever met in my fucking life. Fuck you. How fucking hard people work to get these motherfuckers elected. elected. Do Fuck something. you. And they do nothing. And, and the only reason Biden was, is there is because Trump was a goddamn sh- clown show. Yes. That's it. Not because you're the best. So you better fucking use your time wisely. Use it. Pelosi, we're losers. You understand, right? Yeah. And when losers, bumbling fucking losers, accidentally get elected. Yeah. They don't know what to do. Well, they need they to sit get there and go, oh, isn't this great? Yeah. We're not Trump. What the fuck does that have to do with yeah. Now we're dying but in guess the fucking what? streets. Now we need, but, but we need, we need, we need a little bit of edge and it needs to just be, oh, we're please. steamrolling it. They steamroll edge. everything in, steamroll stuff in. And then the end. The fact that God Matt Gates has not been pulled from a committee tells you everything you need to know about Democrats. Right. Okay. Tells you everything. Every, and that seems, and, and, and that's tiny and compared to this Cuomo, abortion law. There's Cuomo who oh, he stepped down. What took him so fucking long? But he, right. But he did. But what, what about Matt Gates? Yeah. Where's everybody in Florida screaming for Matt Gates? They don't give it's a It's true fuck. for Cuomo, but it's not true for Gates, right? It, give me a Nancy break. Nancy Pelosi doesn't know what the fuck's going on. She's, she's a coward old. and she's a coward. I hate to say oh, we've got to follow the rules here, but fuck your rules. Get her, get all these motherfuckers. We don't out. have time. Take mansion and cinema and knock their heads together. Like Mo, what are you waiting for? Yeah. What are you waiting for? A fucking invitation from the queen. Get this shit done. Get it done. Get it fucking done. I'm tired of it. People out here are losing their fucking rights over their bodies. And you're like, and well, I think we're going to protect women. You think you should have, that shit should have been fucking, by the way, it wasn't a fucking surprise. You told me on Sunday, that means Nancy motherfucking Pelosi knew about it three right. days before. If they didn't have a bill drafted to fucking pass, protect women, the second midnight struck when they knew the Supreme court was going to fucking do this. She fucking yes, knew. Of course. How is there not something already fucking prepared? I thought Democrats were pro goddamn choice. Do you not fucking care? How is this not done yet? Not done. Well, I got to tell and you, they I'm have, over they, it. They need, they need to make some changes. They need to do things. I got it. This I'm, is the chance someone, to do it. As someone this who is, is the chance. But then is it going to be, oh, Biden stacks the courts. Then the next person goes in and they stack the courts. And then we have like a, a, a 50 seat Supreme Court. Who knows? But why not just do it? Why not just do it? As someone who has followed and been involved as far as like even from the outside or in the inside involved in fucking politics or has paid attention since I was 15 years old I'm losing my fucking faith I have lost my faith in a lot of this but I am losing my faith in the electric electoral system in electeds I'm losing my faith that anything will ever go our fucking way because they throw a crumb at you and yeah. they're like, isn't this tasty? Doesn't yeah. it taste? Are you full? Look at, yeah, look at what we've done. Meanwhile, and it's nothing. look at what the fuck they're doing on the other goddamn side. They're organized. And we've said it before. They're organized, ready. structured they're strategy. They have a plan. Yeah. And th- we have no plan because we are almost like a fractured party because there's so many multiple interests. But there's right that things we and wrong things. We can't get together. And we can't say, 
This is who needs to run for governor in Florida. This is who need like we don't have time oh, to have honey. everybody and their mom run for seats. We Let don't me say have something time. Else. If, if we net... were in a different, if we were doing it's a oh, different lifetime Tina. where it wouldn't matter, but we're not. We're in a lifetime where it matters. Yeah, it matters. And yeah. your selfishness is going to destroy stuff. So there's a state senator named Annette Tadeo who's a Democrat. God bless. God bless you. Bless your heart. If she announces she's going to run for governor, oh, she's gonna which announce. is what she's tweeting and, and hinting about, yeah, I'm going to fucking lose <laughs> my mind. It's going to happen. This we know woman it's is a former running mate of Charlie Chris when he ran as a Democrat yeah. for governor. She was his running mate. Listen, this they is have a some clear deal. They have back a deal going. Deal. Yeah, it's a Give back a room deal to I'll siphon. I'll set you up yeah. in some good little sweet position. And if that is the case, and you're going to let... Your own personal yeah. sort of uh, career projections. She it does th- these two trump don't... what is best for the state of Florida and the people in it. Then mm-hmm. that is not a good. That's not good. She's and not... where is the Florida Democratic Party <laughs> saying no, no, no? They don't exist. Even no, if they did, you nobody can't do it. Nobody listens no. to them. They have no power. Nobody fucking listens to them. Here's the thing. <laughs> She's gonna she's gonna fucking announce she's gonna siphon votes away from Nikki Freed in the primary and, and, and it's then going Charlie to go to Chris. her, not Charlie Chris. And that's the whole point. To weaken Freed so that Charlie yes. Chris has more because Annette today is not getting anything. And then she'll get if he wins, she'll get some fucking thing. Yes. But here's the thing. We've talked about this. Several Chris is not going to win against he's not DeSantis. Gonna win. He's, he's, he's in not the closet. Going to win. He's in the closet. He's, he's not lying going about to win. who he is. Get the fuck out of my face. I don't have time oh for you. And, and second of all, she has to resign to run. Okay? She has to resign her Florida State Senate seat oh, to God. run for this, which means we don't have a Democrat to step into the Florida State Senate seat to run for her seat. You know this, right? You know we have no one there. So she's doing all of this without, like, having someone come up behind her and helping right. that person win. We're going to lose another fucking state Senate seat to a Republican. That's what fucking Annette today was doing. That's yeah. what's more important to her. It's her own yeah. self-interest. I mean, maybe we have a candidate. Her name is Nikki Freed. Fuck Nikki you. Freed is who, you know, I don't, I don't really know much about this other candidate or potential candidate, but I know. There's nothing to know. I know that Nikki Freed can do it because she did it already. Yeah. She already did it. She statewide. already won statewide. People like her. Yeah. She is quick. She is smart. She's got, there's this spunk about her. She's tiny. Yeah. But damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and she could go toe for toe with this guy. Yeah. She could go toe for toe with him. Oh, that fucking Like, put face. them on a debate space. Sp- put them on a debate stage. She will destroy him. I agree. And that's, like, we need this. We need this. And we don't need distractions. We don't need these distractions with Chris and this other person. We don't need it. My head is spinning. And my Chris should know spinning. better. Chris should, like, listen, dude. Oh, my God. No Tina, one is voting for you. i got to show you this. Hold on. No one is voting for you. Dude, like, I, you're on every talk show circuit. Or not talk show, but you know what I mean. Like, the yeah. news cycles. I have got to show you this tweet from Charlie. I, Chris, you are going to fucking. I almost vomited, okay? Like, it, There's it's a picture. Just, it's a picture of him, and he's looking at the camera. Why not support Nikki Freed? Hold Why on. not say, hey, listen, I did this a couple of times. Oh, Here God. are some things that didn't work. Let me help. Wait, look at this picture. Wait, read the caption. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Did you see the caption? Point of view, thinking about a Florida for all that we'll build together. He looks like a psycho. What is he doing? He's holding he, a, a So coffee? it's Charlie Chris. He's holding a cup of coffee. <laughs> he's looking like it's a smoldering like, hello. Hello, Florida. Thinking about I, Florida for bitch, all. Bitch, you ain't sexy. Ooh. Get the fuck out of my face. I saw that. I go, what is this picture? Who is advising him? We know. We need to make a meme out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking about how you shouldn't be in this fucking race. Hi. Get out. Tina, we're 30 minutes. Or, well, okay, sorry. we have a huge okay. thing I have to cut out of this because my family came home. But okay. All can right. we just start? Because yes. I, I got to okay. tell you, I'm out okay. of my fucking mind. Okay. Uh, Hi. <sighs> okay, I have a short and stupid oh, Mine's story. a little bit longish, okay. but let's get into it because it's a lot of fun, bitch. Okay. Today. No, wait. I'm first. Are we? It's 88. Yeah, I'm even. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> right? What? You ain't, what was last week? Yes. Wait. Wait. No, I'm even. Oh, you're right. Bitch, yes. go. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Oh okay. Hillary <laughs> is the worst. You're the best. Okay. okay. <laughs> Short you. and sweet. Short and sweet. Do it. Today, uh-huh. I'm going to tell you the story of Operation oh. Bop Trot. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. For years, the Kentucky House of Representatives Business Organization and Professions Committee oversaw state regulating industries like horse racing. Mm-hmm. But when the feds start an inquiry, pretty soon legislators who tried to beat the odds try to beat jail time. (laughs) All right. So our story takes place in Kentucky in the 90s. And now anytime I hear the 90s, do you know the guy on TikTok? And he also does Instagram reels, uh, the uh, Kevin James Thompson no. Oh my. Okay. First does of all, do, everybody like, follow like him. A, um, it's got a voice distorter. Uh, yes. Yes. Kate, yes. Kate yes. Yes. Me these. Yeah. Oh my God. I love him so much. And he's always like, he'll tell his story and he's like, it was the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> so like the whole time I was doing this, that's like yeah. all I think about. He's the best. All right. So some background on what was happening in Kentucky. So according to an article in the New Yorker, there were two racetracks in Kentucky or I forget the exact area. Mia culpa, but there was a harness track and a thoroughbred track, and they were in competition as far as gambling, right? Like you mm, people go yes. gamble at the harness or they want to go to this um, other thoroughbred track. So the harness track allegedly was involved in bribing folks to help them compete against the thoroughbred track. Right. So they wanted to ensure that people would be coming to their establishment to do this mm-hmm. and who was involved, but that business organizations and professions committee in both the house and the Senate. Mm. So that becomes the bop right um, in what, beca- in, in bop trot and the trot of course is, is the horse, the horses, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So, <laughs> um, and that's connected actually to harness racing specifically. They call it the trots like the, mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. So <laughs> the New Yorker article further reveals that this committee works on Bills like specific to horse racing. Okay. Okay. So it's a big deal in Kentucky. They're the ones. Yeah. yeah Kentucky Derby. Yeah. 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 Right? Yes. Yes. Uh, and all of that. So you can see like where the problem kind of lies here. So a Courier Journal article written by Al Cross offered a lot of information. So I got a lot of stuff from this guy. So apparently there was a lot of taped evidence from informants and the tape showed legislators only too happy to be taking Mm. money to secure certain things for um, that particular track. So basically what was happening is that in Henderson 
there's this place, Henderson, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. There were those two trucks. And according to Cross, in both 1988 and 1990, bills were passed that permitted the thoroughbred track, which was Ellis Park, to have what was called inter-track wagering. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. So I looked it up and inter-track wagering basically means that you can go to the track and you can bet on like the live horses that are happening now. Okay. But there's also televised horse Ooh, races yes, happening. Yes, yes. So you can bet simultaneously. Like I'm going to be betting on these races, but I can also bet on yeah. these other races that love are it. happening. Love this. So I guess the... I love horse betting, by the way. Do you? I fucking do. <gasps> I won a lot of money one time doing Ooh, that. Yeah, I used to I like go... their... I picked the names though. I don't even look at anything. I'm like, that's a cute name. <laughs> Did you used to go to Pompano? No. I The one in... Um, Hallandale. There oh. was one in Hallandale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't know I if it's used still there. to go years ago with uh, a cousin of mine because he knew a guy that had a horse, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and so we would no uh, <laughs> we would go there sometimes, and it was just fun, like yeah, yeah, just yeah. to be. And and his friends are interesting. Okay, <laughs> so um, I like I I used to like hanging out with them. I bet. Um, so. So, uh, <laughs> essentially, inter- so like I said, intertrack is that, and I guess the problem was at the time mm-hmm. when things first became televised like that, that people were like, oh my God, why are you going to come to the track when people can just do these bets other ways and mm-hmm. not have to yeah. like see it live. Yeah. And so that's why they had to get this thing passed where like this simultaneous betting can happen so that people can still like see the live thing, but they can still have people make money if they want to be betting on lots of other yeah. things too. So that's sort of what was happening. So when the thoroughbred track was granted that, that offered more gambling than the harness track right. at Riverside Downs. Right. And that harness track kind of flips out because they're like, shit, we're going to lose a Why ton would anybody come of money. Here? No one's going to come here. They're yeah. just going to go to the other place. And the owner of the harness track, this guy Vaughn, he went to politicians for help. And he he specifically went to the majority whip this woman, Helen Garrett, mm-hmm. and was like, you know, what, what can I do? Like this bill was passed and it helps this one. Like, you know, my business is going to be, you know, impacted by right, this. Right. And Helen Garrett basically says, look for a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, your problems could be over. Ooh. <laughs> Get but it, honey. Oh. Vaughn is like, Oh, okay. And he goes straight to the feds to be like, Hey, okay. I was okay. offered like this deal. Wow. And the feds were like, Hmm. Let's see what we can do. And they basically oh, like shit. send in a mole <laughs> and they get this guy wired up to see who would want to wet their beak a little bit mm-hmm. uh, with this horse racing stuff. And it turns out there were a lot of politicians feeling parched. Wow. So, and an early one was a senator named John Hall. Mm. So Cross further explained that there was a session coming up that would vote on giving the harness track its fair share in the intertrack business. And so the feds bring Hall in and Hall ends up cooperating. So they, they kind of set Hall up. Hall gets busted and they're like, okay, Hall, now we have you. Now we're going to send you in mm. and you're going to be an informant for oh us. Oh my God. And this to me is, I don't know how this isn't coercion. You know what I mean? Like, because well. they are, you know, they, they're planning this thing to test whether or not. And I guess at the end of the day, they make the choice to say, Hey, I'll take the money or, Hey, right. you know, so, but at the same time, it's a setup. You know what I mean? I mean, it is, but that's how they get the bigger fish, right? Don't they do this yeah. so they can get more and yeah. more people? They get more and more people. Yeah. So Hall cooperates and, uh, you know, 
more and more people start coming in. So they managed to pull in the big guns on the committee. Oh, shit. They get, so Hall, like, ends up, like, here's two more people that we can use in this, oh my God. like, plan. And it was a guy named John Spurrier and another guy named Bill McGee. So Spurrier and McGee were both lobbyists mm. at the time, but McBee was also a former rep. So he was, like, one of those rep turn oh, yeah. We know what that is. Mm-hmm. Happens too often. Yes. These two guys, um, this is sort of how they get these two. So um, they are going to a hotel to await money uh, from an informant, right? And the funny part of this story is that, you know, the feds, they mark bills, Mm -hmm. right? So that they can then later um, trace, right? And prove like you took this money because you have all the marked bills. Oh my God. in this particular case, uh, Cross writes that the Fed sprayed the money with a powder oh. and they used invisible ink to mark the bills. And when Hall brings them the money, right? So he, yes. Hall has set up these two guys who are on the committee and they go oh to this hotel God. room. Oh God. And there was some audio that was like, here's your 20. And he like mm. throws $20,000 and $20 bills like on the bed or whatever. And the dust of stuff. And the guys, out. well, the guys are there and like they, they take the money and then they flip out because it's sticky. And they're <gasps> like, like, what, what the hell? Oh my God. <laughs> Who did this? I know. They so, did it wrong. So, but they grab the money and they run and they're like, we're going in two separate places. So they like take off and they separate with the money. Oh, they took it anyway. They took it. It's so oh, stupid. My God. They're like they took off in a gallop <laughs> out of that hotel room <laughs> and the pets. <laughs> I feel like, what are the feds doing? Oh, you're right. Like, yeah, who, why would somebody, you mark it in a way that, a that they, like, know yeah. that it's marked? Yeah. And these you guys know? still took it. I would have been like, this is sticky. I'm out. I know. And the lobby is like, yeah. what are you doing? Why would you still take it? But no, I no, guess no. they kind of freaked out. Yeah. They take off and newsflash, like, they get called in because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're like, okay, like, we have you on tape. Like, we, Literally, it's on your hands. It's on your hands. Holy and then shit. they were like, hey, where's the money? And th- when they take when they take them to see what's left of the money yeah it's marked and all of that wow. so they have jesus all of that so basically in the end along with spurrier and mcgee then governor wilkinson's nephew was also in on it Ooh. so um he was working and they thought that he could influence like his uncle in some way mm. and then there were seven others so there, it was like a wow. huge amount of people yeah but the thing is there was this other guy blanford who was one of those seven other people and I don't have much on Don Blanford. Most off articles I read refer to him as powerful. Hmm. He was the speaker of the Kentucky House for eight years. Wow. And he held that position. It was like the longest in Kentucky history of anyone like holding Jeez. that position as House Speaker. And, you know, he um, was also known like he had passed this like incredible education reform bill. And there was, you know, he had done some good stuff. And the other thing that I found interesting was like, he didn't take that much money. Hmm. You know, there was that $20,000, but that was split between um, Spurrier, McBee, and the governor's nephew. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they got a handful of money each. not that much, yeah. And then other people, and McBee offered money to Blanford so that he could make decisions, of course, on these bills. Um, but he only got like 1500 bucks. Like it wasn't a ton of money. And he claimed Blanford because I guess because it was Blanford and he was the speaker like this, even though um, he only took a little bit of money, Mm -hmm. like 
he's sort of the bigger name like associated with this particular case. But he claimed that he thought it was his longtime buddy McGee. I'm sorry, I'm saying McGee, McBee, Mm -hmm. paying for dinners and outings and things like that. So he and McBee like knew each other for years and years. And they did have dinner together. Mm -hmm. And McBee did give him money. But when like one of the things I thought was funny, because you were saying it today, you were using the phrase like when McBee gave um, Blanford the money, he was like, bless your heart. (laughs) You know, and he took and he took the cash. Wow. But he's like, no, no, we had dinner and this and that. Like, he's just paying me for these things. Like, and, but the recordings mm. kind of show that mm, that doesn't really, it doesn't really fit with like yeah. the story that Blanford was telling. So, a 1993 Courier article stated that in the aftermath of Bop Trap, the public lost its faith in its elected officials and public standing plunged to an all time low because there was so many people involved. Yeah. And um, in our notes, you can look at all the different, you know, it was all politicos. It was all people Mm. who were either, you know, low level reps, lobbyists. Like it was, it was. I mean, I'd imagine this is such a huge business. It was like 500 bucks here, 500. You know, it wasn't huge, but. It's such a a huge business in Kentucky. I'm I'm sure this has been going on for a long time. Come on. Right? It has to. The horse tracks and. I feel like it has to. Yeah. So the Daily News reported that Blanford had this to say after, and he gets convicted, and he says, I decided a long time ago to resign if I was convicted. So he stayed in his position Mm. all through the trial, (sighs) all through everything, and then once he was convicted, then he was like, okay, bye. Mm. Which, of course, like, yeah, because he's like, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. So the charges for Blanford, and I just focused on him because he was like the bigger fish in all of this, um, it was extortion racketeering and then lying to the FBI and along with Blanford eight other then current and former legislators were convicted wow and the sentencing for Blanford I was really shocked at 64 months in prison what and a $10,000 fine are you kidding me I was like $1,500 yes that's fucked up I was like come on what is going on and most of the others involved got like 10 months less of prison time what but a lot of them pled guilty oh and he yeah that's it you can't yeah you know he rolled the dice he rolled the dice shit man yeah 64 months i know i was like kentucky don't fuck around in there damn man dang (laughs) so the aftermath um this scandal ended up resulting in some of the strictest ethics laws passed in kentucky that are still in effect up until at least 2019, where a Deborah Yetter's Courier Journal article explained that lobbyists were still not permitted to offer gifts to Kentucky lawmakers. Mm. And frankly, like we've talked about this before, I agree. Um, why they don't need gifts from lobbyists. Lobbyists don't need to be giving them anything. No. And uh, apparently, a federal appeals court held up the law. From the 90s. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Cross uh, also reported that legislators have to report their spending during session mm. rather than after session now. So like they have, it's everything's got to kind of be yeah. like transparent. Yeah, see what motherfuckers are up yeah. to. Yeah. So um, just a couple points of interest. The whole sting almost went south and I thought this was funny. Um, and according to L. Cross of the Courier-Journal, one of the informants, that guy McBee, he wanted his wife to be the middleman and she refused. And so they were you. like, what are we going to, cause she was a lawyer and she's yeah, like, I'm she's not getting involved in this. You. And so he ends up, um, 
suggesting someone else and the feds were like oh this is great because he's already working for us so then they oh kind of moved god. this other informant in oh my god um i love this wife though yeah what an angel i know and that's pretty much that was really my only kind of point of interest um the other one was just that that harness track like shortly there i was gonna say what, yeah it's over it, it uh it didn't last very long so i have mm -hmm. a picture for our instagram where you it's like uh it's sad because it's like the the archway that yeah. entrance and it's like all kind of crumbled and broken down oh, now god I was going to say, um, he really is not doing himself any favors by blowing the whistle. I know, but I guess but he did I mean, the right thing. He did the right thing. Yeah, he can sleep well at night. Yeah, without his harness track. Oh, my God. And that's the story of Operation Bop Trap and the politicians who gambled <laughs> away their careers. <laughs> <laughs> I always know I have to pause for a second because I know there's a, a, a second stupid, line coming. I know, a stupid little. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? I am. I, I now I don't know how to announce this <gasps> because there's too many names. Oh, but I am covering. <gasps> how should I call it? All right, I'm I'm covering <laughs> X CIA <gasps> covert spy. What? Valerie Plame. What? Do you know who this is? No. Maybe yes, I you do. do. I do. Valerie Plame. You don't know who this is? Okay, you're gonna you're gonna love it because. Oh. Uh, this is all during the Bush administration and these fucking wackos and all their bullshit. Okay. So do you oh. don't know any, uh, I can't believe her name doesn't sound familiar. I don't know. Okay. This maybe was a huge story. Maybe, maybe it'll, maybe it'll come back to me. All right. That's fine. So Valerie Elise Plame was born August 13th, 1963 on Ellendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage, Alaska. She graduated in 1981 from Lower Moreland High School in Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania. And in 1985, from Pennsylvania State University with a BA in advertising. So after gra graduating from college, she moved to Washington, D.C., and she worked at a clothing store while awaiting results of her application to the CIA, Ooh. bitch. I love that. She's just folding clothes, and she's like, it's all right, guys. Yeah. I'm not going to be here very long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting to get it to the CIA. They're like, yeah, right, Valerie. Wow. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then one day, she's just gone. Yeah. She just disappears. <laughs> this is her cover. She's folding clothes. at the. So she was accepted into the 1985-86 CIA officer training wow. class. And although the CIA will not publicly release the specific dates of Plame's employment from 1985 to 2002 due to security concerns, Special Counsel Patrick Fitzgerald affirmed that Plame, quote, was a CIA officer from January 1st, 2002 forward. End quote. And wow. that, quote, her association with the CIA was classified at that time during through 2000, July 2003, end quote. Because there's a whole thing that happens that we'll find out about soon. But um, details about Plame's professional career are still classified, but it's documented that she worked for the CIA in a non-official cover capacity relating to counter-proliferation. So that means that she's a spy that no one should know she's a spy, right? Yes. Like it's no one, her name should not be out there. No one should okay. really know. Oh, so she works she, for the CIA, but nobody knows that she's also doing other things for the ooh, CIA, I right? This. Um, so Plame served the CIA at times as a non-official cover, um, uh, operating in Athens and Brussels. So that means that she's working and whoever she's working for doesn't know that she's a CIA agent, right? Oh, While wow. using her own name, Valerie Plame, her assignments required posing in various professional ro roles in order to gather intelligence more effectively. Two of her covers included um, serving as a junior consular officer in the early 19... In the 90s! Yo, there we go! <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> 
you know that's our new title yes um, in the early 90s uh, in Athens and then later as an energy analyst for the private company Brewster Jennings and Associates which the late the CIA later acknowledged was a front company for certain investigations Ooh. a former senior diplomat in, in Athens remembered Plame in her dual role and also recalled that she served as one of the control officers coordinating the visit of President George H.W. Bush to Greece and Turkey in July 1991 the matter of whether she actually had covert status is still disputed so a lot of people Ooh. said that she was covert other people said that she wasn't but she was using her own name yeah right after the persian gulf war in 1991 the cia sent her first sent her first to the london school of economics and then the college of europe in Bruges for master's degrees so nice. she goes back to school for, through the cia yeah after earning the second degree she stayed on in brussels where she began her next assignment undercover as a quote energy consultant for Brewster Jennings I love this so much like they probably are like oh this unassuming yes and she's stunning know. she's this blonde hair beautiful you know woman. and they're just like oh like yeah no one will ever yeah. question her yeah because Be men yes well that's all <laughs> <laughs> beginning in 1997 Plame's primary assignment had shifted to the CIA headquarters in Langley Virginia during this time part of her work concerned the determination of the use of aluminum tubes purchased by Iraq CIA analysis prior to the Iraq invasion were quoted by the White House as believing that Iraq was trying to acquire nuclear weapons and that these aluminum tubes could be used in a centrifuge for a nuclear enrichment mm. David Korn and Michael Isikoff who are both um, journalists, argue that the undercover work being done by Plame and her CIA colleagues in the Directorate of Central Intelligence Non-Proliferation Center strongly contradicted such a claim. So we've got two different things happening, right? We've got Valerie Plame saying she's trying to figure this out, like working with CIA, and then you've got other people saying, like, Iraq was never trying to get this right like that was yeah. the whole we're in Iraq right like with this the whole thing like did they have weapons of mass destruction right or not? she oh was God. before we WMDs yeah before we invaded before 9-11 right. that's right. something that she was working on so what happens let's get into like what is the deal Ooh. with this right so um in late February 2002 responding to inquiries from the vice president's office um mm. Cheney uh, and the departments of state and defense about the allegation that Iraq had a sales agreement to buy uranium in the form of yellow cake from Niger. The, the CIA had authorized a trip by Joseph C. Wilson to Niger to investigate the possibility. So okay. a couple of things. This is before we invaded Iraq. Now 9-11 right. has already happened. Yeah. Uh, but now the vice president's office of course, and the state department, right. They want to know like, is Iraq trying to buy weapons? Yeah. Like, right. So yellow cake. I mean, um, that's if, something that yeah, people should know. Yes. So in, so in Africa, <laughs> no matter what country, I yeah. feel like we need to know who has what. Yes. So in Nigeria in Africa, the, the yellow cake they're talking about, if you, if you, I'll put a picture of it in our, in our Instagram post, but or in our, you know, show post, but it looks like yellow cake. It looks like cake, but it's, it's crumbly. But when you pack it together and you use it, you yeah. can make uranium from it. So, or it is uranium. It's just in this weird yeah. form, but they call it yellow cake. And so Joseph, the ambassador they sent to go to Nigeria and find out and like ask questions, Joseph C. Wells, is Valerie Plame's husband. <gasps> okay. So he's an ambassador, U.S. ambassador. Yes. They met in D.C. They get married. So he's gets sent to Nigeria. Because he's got relations yeah. there, and yeah. they think this is the best person yeah. to go, and he can communicate with them, and yeah. it's trustworthy. And there's also blah, this blah, blah. memo that I didn't like. There's so much to this story. I'm giving you like the base of it, but yes. there's so much back and forth about like 
why was this the person asked to go to Niger? They said that she recommended him in a memo, but when the when the Congress when Congress started investigating all of what what happens, um, she's like she had to testify in front of Congress, and she's like, I never recommended my husband. I actually said, and you look at the memo, and it's like, I don't think he's the best person for this job. They asked her should we send your husband to go do this? And she was, cause she's involved in yes. figuring all of this out. And she's like, I really, she goes, he has great contacts there, but I don't think he's the best person. But later on, they, when they try to throw all this back on her, they're like, Oh, she said to send her husband. And she said, you wow. know, it's so fucked up. Wow. So fucked up. Okay. So this anyway, is starting to become familiar now. Okay. So like with his name, yes. his name is very more yeah. familiar to me. So he goes know. to Niger and the former, the former prime minister of Niger, Ibrahim Hassan Mayaki reported to Wilson that he was unaware of any contracts for uranium sales to rogue States, though he was approached by a businessman on behalf of the Iraq, Iraqi delegation about quote, expanding commercial relations with Iraq, which Mayaki interpreted to mean uranium sales. Mm. Wilson, Wilson ultimately concluded that quote there was nothing to the story and reported his findings back to dc in march 2002 okay. so he says hey iraq's not trying yeah. to buy this whatever done yes but so that's march 2002 in on january 28th 2003 at the state of the union address u.s president george w bush said quote the british government has learned that saddam hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from africa end quote so He's not quoting our guy who came mm. back a few months earlier and was like, fuck, no, they're not doing this. He says, oh, the British government now has this information. Right. But they so he's they starting. Well, because they want to go in there. That's because they want to invade. Come on, give me a so, break. two months later, after this speech, uh, the State of the Union, at, um, we invade uh, Iraq in March 2003. And Joseph C. Wilson, this ambassador, uh, her husband, writes a series of op-eds questioning the war's factual basis. Mm -hmm. Okay? Good for and you. And in one of these op-eds published in the New York Times on July 6, 2003, Wilson argues that in the State of the Union address, President George W. Bush mis misrepresented intelligence leading up to the invasion and thus misleading, uh, misleadingly suggested that the Iraqi government sought uranium to manufacture nuclear weapons like he would know he's yes, the one who he was sent just there. there okay yeah. so a wow. second article was I written I, this now is okay. familiar to me yes yes so then other articles are written by other journalists that say that that's not true and here's the intelligence but this was all like remember this is like who's planting these articles oh who's God. saying these things what okay. can we trust right what can we trust yeah the state department also was like highly skept skeptical of like what he brought back and you know it was just everybody they want was, they wanted him to bring back what they wanted him to bring back. Yeah. He didn't bring that back. And now yeah. they have to find another exactly. way to prove it. Yeah, exactly. By, by, and how convenient to have this other foreign yes. country. Yes. Say, oh, being the one saying it. Right. Right. Exactly. And, it, and now it's, it's not us saying it, but we learned it from here. Right. They, we can wash our right. hands. Which later on, who was that prime minister, by the way, David, something, was it prime minister David? What was that guy's name? Who was the prime minister at the time of, during that? Because he's, he's gotten all kinds of shit too. Oh, I thought it was, um, it was a younger guy. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. It wasn't Tony. Tony Blair. Tony Blair. Tony Blair. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Okay. But he came, doesn't he come back later and go, oh, this information wasn't correct. I mean, it was, I it was not so. a good thing. No. So here's, here's the fucking story that we're going to talk about. So eight days after the July 6th op-ed that Wilson wrote, Columnist Robert Novak wrote about Wilson's 2002 trip to Niger and subsequent findings and described Wilson's wife as, quote, an agency operative, quote. Okay? So it just blows, 
blows her, her cover. Right. And in his column what? on July 14, 2003, entitled, quote, the, the name of the article was Mission to Niger, Novak states that the choice to use Wilson, quote, was made routinely at a low level without uh, director George Tennant's knowledge, end quote. Basically saying, uh, like, oh, we're going to scapegoat. Yeah. So now they need to scapegoat someone. Yeah. So he then goes on to identify Plame. As Wilson's wife, he says, quote, Wilson never worked for the CIA, but his wife, Valerie Plame, is an agency operative on weapons of mass destruction. Two senior administration officials told me that Wilson's wife suggested sending him to Nigeria to investigate the Italian report which is what, why they went to Nigeria, yeah. right? The CIA says it's counter-proliferation officials selected Wilson and asked his wife to contact him. Quote, I will not answer any questions about my wife, Wilson. It goes on to tell Novak, right? Like, I'm not going to... So he comes out... Wow. So this, And identifies so, so, her. But by two senior officials te- confirm yeah. that she was a so fucking this CIA is, so agent. This is a, so this is the plan. Yeah. Now we're going to discredit this That's guy. That's right. Because Wilson's come out and said, we we're should gonna not discredit- be going to Iraq. Yes. We're going to fucking blow your wife's cover. Yeah. We're going to put and, her in danger. And, and we're going to discredit you. Yeah. Because now it's, well, what is her motivation? Yeah. And et cetera, et cetera. This, this wasn't coming from us. I hate. Blew people. her cover though, like put her. That's no, putting that's her in huge. huge injury. And, and that's her, her career. career. Yeah, it ruins her fucking that's career. Her career. She can no longer do that work. Wow. Yeah. So Novak oh, has she said, must be pissed. yeah. So the, uh, the 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 journalist Novak, he said repeatedly that he was not told and that he did not know that Plame had was or had ever been an NOC, which is an agent of non official cover, which means undercover. The people who told him about this didn't tell him that they just said he she was a cia agent wow not she's an undercover cia agent wow. so basically you know what i mean which is a huge difference yeah he never would have named her if that was the case right oh so they even manipulated it was like him. On pur- that's right wow like, purposely wow. said this name and did not say by the way wow wow so he has emphatically said that he if he had understood that she was at any sort of a secret agent, he never would have named her, right? He was like this veteran news reporter. guy. Yeah. So he trusted the relationship. Yeah. You know, that 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 journalist. Yeah. So um on developed. so a couple of days later, uh David Korn, who's the journalist I mentioned earlier for the nation, he writes an article on July sixteenth, two thousand three, and in the lead of it was, quote, Did Bush officials blow the cover of a US intelligence officer working covertly in a field of vital importance to national security and break the law in order to strike at a Bush administration critic and intimidate others, end quote. Like mm. that was the lead of the article. And then in the article he notes, quote, without acknowledging whether she is a deep cover CIA employee, Wilson says, name Wilson, the husband, says, quote, naming her this way would have compromised every operation, every relationship, every network oh with which God. she'd ever been associated with in her career, end quote. Wow. I mean, in in an instant. Yeah. How someone's life is completely destroyed. Yeah. Could you? And then, like, I And your imagine, credibility. Yeah. And your remember, reputation. And don't forget how. And who knows what she was involved in. Yeah. That now has all been compromised. Yes. Yes. And she's living in D.C. She was getting threats at her house. Like, could you imagine? Remember how crazy people were about going into Iraq? Yes. Oh, all those country songs about like, if you're not American, go fucking blow your ass or throw a bomb up your ass or whatever. Like, people were crazy. They were crazy. And and then you've got your husband doing this and she's just, I mean, oh my God, she was getting all kinds of fucking nonsense. And I, you know, I feel like if it was today, Mm -hmm. it would be even worse. Oh, because that was like, you know, just sort of like kind of getting started with with the online, you know, Patriot, 
But but Ugh. with people being able to like dox you and do yes, that stuff. Like, I know. Yes, exactly oh. what you're saying. It's insane. So he also said, quote, I felt that however abominable the decision might be, it was it was rational that if you were an administration and did not want people talking about the intelligence or talking about what underpinned the decision to go to war, you would discourage them by destroying the credibility of the messenger who brought you brought you the message and this administration apparently decided the way to do that was to leak the name of my wife end quote wow it's like he's, very he's clear right. to them. he's right yeah. so in october 2007 God. regarding this his column a white house smear which is another article he wrote corn writes this piece was the first to identify the leak as a possible white house crime and the first to characterize the leak as evidence that within the bush administration political expediency trumped national security the column drew about 100,000 visitors to this website wow. in a day in a day or so and fairly or not it has been cited by some of the as the event that triggered the plame hullabaloo which is what he <laughs> called it i doubt that the column prompted the investigation eventually conducted by special counsel patrick fitzgerald for i assume that had that that had my column not appeared the cia still would have asked the justice department to investigate the leak as a possible crime end quote which is what happens right wow so a couple months two months after this whole thing blows up on september 16 2003 the cia sent a letter to the united states department of justice requesting a criminal investigation yeah who are the matter. two guys like this is our agent and somebody just blew this yeah yeah just blew who, this who are these two top Let, dudes? yeah let's get into that oh geez. so on september 29 2003 the department of justice advised the cia that it had requested an fbi investigation into the matter on september 30th 2003 president bush said that if there had been a leak from his administration about plane he said quote i want to know who it is and if the oh person, please and if the person has violated the law that person will be taken care of okay and that's gonna hold my breath <laughs> initially the white house denied that carl rove who was the white house deputy I chief of staff because <laughs> <laughs> i'll be dead yeah. <laughs> and ahead. lewis scooter libby chief of staff a vice president Dick Cheney were involved in leaks. So that was the thing. It's Carl Rove. It's, and it's, it's all Dick Cheney. Cheney. It's always been Cheney. Or, or Scooter Libby, right? So it's a, always Cheney. <laughs> it is. The puppet master extraordinaire of that administration. Totally. Totally. He was. He was. God. I know. So um, Attorney General John Ashcroft recused himself from involvement with the investigation because of his close involvement with the White House and the responsibility for oversight to fall to James B. Comey. A former prosecutor who had been appointed deputy attorney general three weeks pre previously and who would fuck this country I know. with the election of Trump. Oh, my God. Fuck. Thanks, man. I love Thanks. Comey. Thanks. I guess we handled, We should have been. Fuck you, Comey. Yeah. Okay, so Comey then appointed Patrick Fitzgerald oh, to investigate the matter as special counsel who convened a grand jury. So here we come with Patrick Fitzgerald, our... Um, our Irish friend. So, uh, so, uh, CIA leak grand, the CIA leak grand jury investigation did not result in the indictment or conviction of anyone for any crime in connection with the leak itself. However, Libby it's scooter Libby was indicted on one count of obstruction of justice, one count of perjury and three counts of making false statements to the grand oh, jury okay. and the federal investigators on October 28th, 2005. And he resigned hours after the indictment. So he, he goes in there and starts oh, fucking back running his mouth resigned for doing, and he's things. not telling the truth and he's not fucking giving. So they're like, fuck you. So they indict him on this. So the United States versus Libby. Yeah. So no um, scooter Libby. I'm familiar. With yeah. This, so that yeah. trial began on January 16th. 2007 and on march 6 2007 libby was convicted of on four counts and was acquitted on one count of making false statements he was sentenced to 30 months in prison a fine of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. wow and two years of supervised release from his prison term after his prison term 
So he's wow. got to be like, uh, you know, on, um, what's it called? Probation, right? Yeah. So after the verdict, special counsel Fitzgerald stated that he did not expect anyone else to be charged in the case. We're all going back to our day jobs, he said. Except for uh, uh, Plume. Plame. Yeah. Plame, yeah. sorry. You're right. Yes. So on July 2nd, 2007, President Bush commuted Libby's jail sentence. Oh, of course. Effectively erasing the 30 months he was supposed to spend in jail. Libby was pardoned by Donald Trump on Friday, April 13th, 2018. Nice. They, everybody takes care of them, yes. each other. That's how this fucking Except goes. for the Democrats. Yeah. Yeah, where are you at? Right. I'm still wondering. On, <laughs> on March 2008, the Government Accountability Office revealed that the investigation had cost $2.58 million. This is, uh, like, for what? For what? Like, we can't. This is the thing that drives me nuts. Like, we can't fund. Nope. There's education. We can't no. fund health care. We can't. But we can waste a shit ton of money yeah. on, on stupid yep. shit like this. Yep. And not that it's stupid, but... No. The, the fact that everybody is happens. in cohorts. Everyone's in cohorts. Like yep. this was a pretend trial. And you know, they came to Libya and was like, you're going to have to yeah. go down. Like you're going to yeah. have to fucking and do something. And don't worry. Yeah. You won't go to jail. Like, come on. Yeah. We'll pardon you. And, but you we'll spend to... all this money. Yeah. So on July 13th, 2006, Joseph and Valerie Wilson, you know, Valerie Plame, yeah. filed a civil lawsuit Good. against Rove, Libby, and Vice President Dick Cheney and Good. other unnamed senior White House officials to whom they later added Richard Armitage, who I'm going to bring up in a few minutes, for their alleged role in the public disclosure of Valerie Wilson's classified CIA status. Oh, because they can go after the, uh, the money she would have made in this career. Yeah. All of that that she has lost. Well, you know. You would hope so. <sighs> So Judge John D. Bates dismissed the Wilsons' lawsuit on nice. jurisdictional grounds on July 19th, 2007, and the Wilsons appealed on October, I'm sorry, on August 12th, 2008, in a 2-1 decision, the three-judge panel of the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit upheld the dismissal. Um, Melanie Sloan of Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, repre which represents the Wilsons, said, quote, the group will request the full D.C. Circuit to review the case and appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. Agreeing with the Bush administration, the Obama Justice Department, so now we're in the Obama yes. uh, era, argued that the Wilsons uh, the had Obama no era. legitimate grounds to sue. Oh, so they God. upheld this. So on the current uh, Justice Department position, Sloan stated, quote, we are deeply disappointed that the Obama administration has failed to recognize the grievous harm the Bush White House officials inflicted on Joe and Valerie Wilson. The government's position cannot be reconciled with President Obama's oft-stated commitment to once again make government officials accountable for their actions, end quote. And, and then the thing is, I mean, is the fear like that we don't want to set a precedent of people being able to sue officials, officials like a vice president or, you know what I mean? Like that high up on the chain. I, I'm, I don't I'm just know. wondering why. I'll, all right. I'll tell you why in a second. So on, on, I mean, why I think that we might, why it might've happened, but on June 21st, 2009, the U S Supreme court refused to hear the appeal. So she, oh. that's it. Then yeah, it's over. That's it. So let's talk about Richard Armitage because really what we don't know, right? Yeah. Like how did, cause the reporter is like, look, I got this info. I got these info and other reporters later, later came out and said that Libby and Cheney and uh, what's the other douche's name? Carl Rove. Like these are oh, all the oh, names oh. that people knew. Yeah. Right. And so all these other reporters started coming out saying, yeah, they gave me this, they gave me her name. They told me she was, they, they were giving her so name they're planting to it multiple everywhere. people multiple people journalists got those calls from them telling them about this woman mm. they would call about something else and they talked to them and, and they'd go, be oh, like oh there's this, yeah there's this, this other yeah. story so they were giving her name out to a lot of people 
which is fucked up. Yeah. But like we don't, but, but the guy, Robert Novak, who wrote the original article, he, he's like, the person who gave me this name wasn't a player. Oh. It was like this, like uh, he's in the government, but he wasn't somebody who wasn't some high ranking. Yeah. Yeah. So it never really came out until after. So then this guy comes out and says, who really told him this name? So on July 11, 2006, Robert Novak, the the original uh, journalist posted a column titled my role in the Valerie Plame leak story. Oh, wow. So he writes quote, special prosecutor, Patrick Fitzgerald has informed my attorneys that after two and two and one half years, his investigation of the CIA leak case concerning matters directly relating to me has been concluded. That frees me to reveal my role in the federal inquiry that at the request of Fitzgerald, I have kept secret End quote. Mm. So Novak dispels rumors that he asserted his fifth amendment right and made a plea bargain stating quote, I have cooperated in the investigation. And then he continues and says quote, for nearly the entire time of this investigation, Fitch, his investigation, Fitzgerald knew independent of me, the identity of the sources I used in my column on July 14th, 2003. He says that Fitzgerald did not indict any of these sources or no, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> That Fitzgerald did not indict any of these sources may indicate his conclusion that none of them violated the Intelligence Identities Protection Act. Hmm. In my sworn statement, I said what I have contended in my columns and, and on television. He said, Joe Wilson's wife's role in insinuating her husband's mission was revealed to me in the middle of a long interview with an official who I have previously said was not a political gunslinger. Oh. After the federal investigation was announced, he told me through a third party that the disclosure was inadvertent on his part. Following my interview with the primary source, I sought out the second administration official and the CIA spokesperson for confirmation, and I learned Valerie Plame's name from Joe Wilson's entry in a Who's Who in America. So he gets, uh, he's talking to this guy. They're just having a regular yes. interview, and this Valerie Plame's name comes out of like, oh, this guy's married to an agent. This is her name, right? Yes. And so he writes the name down, and like nothing ever comes of it, and then he just confirms it with other people, including like a Carl Rove uh, and a Scooter Libby. But they're not the one who not told, the, like right. who, who leaked it. Yes. So it was this other guy. So Michael Isakoff revealed portions of his new book titled Hubris, the Inside Story of Spin, Scandal, and the Selling of the Iraq War. Mm. And in this, he reports that the Deputy Secretary of State, Richard Armitage, had a central role in the Plame affair. So he's wow. the one who says this name. And in their book, Isakoff and Korn reveal, as both Armitage and syndicated commonalist Robert Novak acknowledged publicly later, that Armitage was Novak's initial and primary source for Novak's wow. July 2003 column that revealed Plame's identity as a CIA operative and that after Novak revealed his primary source uh, was a senior administration official who was not a partisan gunslinger, Armit- he, he reads this in the artic- article and then Richard Armitage calls Col- Colin Powell that morning and says, I'm, you know, he's like, I'm in deep distress. Like he's, he reads this article and he's like, oh, oh. fuck, I gave him this name. <gasps> but he's later but goes why? on to say, because he says, he calls Colin Powell, who's his boss. He's yeah. the secretary of state. And he says, quote, I'm sure that Novak is talking about me. And the next day, a team of FBI agents and justice prosecutors investigating the leak questioned the deputy secretary and Armitage acknowledged that he had passed along to Novak information contained in this, this classified state department memo and that Wilson's wife had worked on weapons of mass destruction issues at the CIA. So then William Howard Taft, who's the state department's legal advisor felt obligated to then inform the white house counselor, Alberto Gonzalez, 
But Powell and his aides feared that the White House would then leak that Armitage had given Novak's source. Right. Had but, been Novak's but, source. But why did he do it? Well, okay, I'll tell you. So possibly to, they were afraid that they were going to like leak this and said, oh no, it was the State Department who did this to right. embarrass them. And so Taft tells Gonzalez, the attorney, and the bare minimum, right? Like, he says that the State Department had passed some information about the case to the Justice Department. He didn't mention Armitage. And then Taft asked if Gonzalez wanted to know the details. And the president's lawyer playing the case by the book said, no. Yeah, don't, don't, don't tell me anything because then I don't know yeah. anything. So Taft I can't told him. Yes, to anything. That's right. So Taft told him nothing more. And Armitage's role thus remained the rarest of Washington's phenomena, a hot secret that never got leaked. Right. What? So according to Isakoff and based on these sources, Armitage told Bob Woodward Plain's identity three weeks before talking to Novak. And Armitage himself was aggressively investigated by special counsel Patrick Fitzgerald, but was never charged because Fitzgerald found no evidence that Armitage knew of Plain's covert CIA status when he talked to Novak and Woodward. So but, basically what happened is he's talking to reporters. He's got this fucking case file open uh, and Valerie Plame's name is it's listed. Everywhere. It's yeah. listed her regular name. So when you're working for the state department, if you see stuff like that, what it tells you is that that person is not covert, that she's a regular CIA agent. Uh, Whoever fucking put those things out didn't cover her name. So he's telling so people, he, oh, yeah, his uh, wife So he did it in inadvertent. So he, it wasn't like so he was never like charged because he didn't know. Oh, and so God. he's showing them, he's showing Patrick Fitzgerald these things. And he's like, this is where I saw her name. And he was confused when he found out later that it was, co- she's covert because he's like, they, I've seen lots of reports that right. black out yeah. names. So who gave him that? To- That's the question. That's who the fucking him? question. Why, who, who, who placed that on his desk? Hello. That's the thing. So really the original source was this guy who had no, was like a bumbling, yeah. like had no fucking idea. But someone did that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like who did that? Who did that? Yeah. I don't know. Because it's very convenient. Yeah. It's very convenient. Can you believe this? This is insane. So she goes on later on, like, you know, they, they end up moving to like, I don't know, fucking New Mexico or something wow. and to get out of DC because she was being yeah, threatened all the time. Far. Yeah. And she ends up running for Congress oh. and she lost, uh-huh. but like, that's the kind of thing she's doing yeah. now. She goes out and does like speeches and things like that. Yeah, but, but still like, like her, it's yeah, her whole her fucking whole life. life, her whole career. Wow. What a cool story. I know. And I love it. At the end, it's just some dude like, yeah. There's oh no yeah oops. <laughs> but there's so much more to it that i didn't it just include. doesn't sound right though that yeah. her name it, it just did they know that he would be commenting on these things and so and i think because she was still using her maiden name like it took a while from the figure out that plame was wilson unless yeah. you knew that those two were married but cheney was talking about her all the fucking time so you know what i'm saying yeah, there's something not right yeah something something i think they totally leaked it on purpose yes. because he was criticizing it and was going to say this yes. thing it just it they just, needed it's support from the country it's too coincidental yeah. and really when you think about it the, the 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 way that the country turned on bush in the iraq war it took years it took mm. years for that to happen there was maybe a few thousand people who didn't want us to go to iraq but and then when all that shit started coming out that we really shouldn't have been there it started with that story from Wilson. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then it started to build from yeah. there. And it took years mm-hmm. for people to actually get on board with the fact that we shouldn't have been there in the first place. That was a good one. Thank you. I liked it. Thank you. <gasps> All right. Well. Yeah. Let's end this motherfucker. Yes. I'm over it. <laughs> yes. I, I have no work tomorrow. Although I'm going to have oh. some ladies over to swim <gasps> in my pool. 
I am so beyond excited. Me too. About all like just being with all these amazing women yes. and I, I said to my husband I said oh my god it's a, a full party it's gonna be all these women he's like can I go yeah and I was like I'm sure everyone would love to see you my and kids then- were like can, can they bring their kids and I said no yeah. I said and I don't you stay in the house like yeah. let us be let us all be it'll I be fun just so I, I I don't know I just feel like it's gonna be amazing yeah it will I, be amazing I'm just like so beyond excited yeah pool party bitch Ooh. that's what that's what the official, the official title is pool party bitch yes i love it <laughs> all right all i'll right. see you tomorrow and then bye. we'll see oh. all of you guys next time bye bye if you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories please follow the episode notes on our website themuckpodcast.fireside.fm and be sure to follow us on instagram and facebook at the muck podcast To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you.